Hey guys, welcome to Learn Feng Shui, where you'll learn Feng Shui from a classical point of view, taking out the myth and superstition. If you like weekly tips as well as fun folklore tales, you'll enjoy learning Feng Shui with me. Hey guys, let's look at the differences between Eastern Feng Shui and Western Feng Shui. All right, so I, I always hint to it, I talk about it a lot, that I practice classical feng shui, which does not use items, but rather it's the way you use your space, not what is in it. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the differences between um, a classical feng shui and a little bit more westernized version of feng shui. All right, so um, classical feng shui, it actually is based on feng shui formulas. In a sense, it's actually geomancy. Um, I talk about this a lot when I talk about the five arts. You know, it's one called physiognomy, which is the study of the way it is shaped. And um, this is why feng shui, you know, there's a saying that forms supersede formula. That's the saying. And the forms are really just the way your space is set up. So that's why I always tell people whenever they're looking to start with feng shui, what should they start with? I tell them, start with feng shui forms. And really that's gonna be like your bed position, your desk position, you know, looking around you, making sure that your external environment um, has a nice, uh, you know, contours to the land, what's in that environment. That is really where you start with feng shui. And um, one of the main differences I think between a classical feng shui and um, a new age or more Western view of feng shui. Let's look a little bit about where the both styles came from. Um, the classical Eastern view of feng shui actually came from these feng shui masters that would perform burial rites. And so it was really based on um, where the person was buried at and what they believed back in these you know back in the ancient days is that your feng shui of your grave actually impacted your um, descendants and they still actually believe that a lot of people still practice what is called yin house feng shui and so the theory was that these feng shui masters actually you know started applying it to what is called a yang house feng shui or feng shui for the living and so it, it kind of just went on from there um one of the coolest things that i think i've learned about classical feng shui is that it said that a feng shui master actually doesn't need to even look at directions to know where their stars are because you can see mountains and water um, and the mountains and water form underneath uh, the energies of the heavenly influences, which I think is so cool. One of the biggest differences also is actually the way that the, uh, the area is measured out or the chi is kind of measured in space. So Western Feng Shui focuses more on having a fixed life areas. They say that there's nine life areas and they kind of affix it to what is called a bagua. And so the bagua what happens is when you walk in the door, you know, it's the room's kind of divided up into three or to nine different areas, as is the house. And with a classical feng shui, um, it focuses more on the exact compass degree that your space is facing. Classical feng shui also doesn't have what is called a life area. So whereas BTB feng shui has something called life areas. And so they associate each area with your home to an area or a life aspiration, which would be, you know, romance, your health, your career, uh, helpful people and children. Uh, thing, there's, you know, the different life areas like that. However, classical feng shui 
uh, focuses more on your personal energy and attaching it to the space um, to kind of enhance the areas that connect to you personally using your Chinese astrology and again the direction and the uh, natural um, elements in each space. So BTB style and Western style feng shui actually came from a gentleman named Professor Lin Yun, who was a professor out at Berkeley. And uh, in the early 80s, to my understanding, he brought feng shui to America and um, it was determined really to simplify it a whole lot. And I think it was more of his style, which caught on amazingly uh, well, because I mean, of course, people still practice it to this day. And I've met uh, actually people who have studied underneath him through the International Feng Shui Guild, uh, which is, of course, uh, the guild I'm a part of. And they have some really cool stories about Professor Lin Yun. Um, anyways, what happened is in an attempt to simplify it, um, I guess, like I said, he created his own style and he incorporated a lot of um, Buddhist traditions and a lot of intention um, mantras and incorporating some of the deities and stuff like that from Buddhism into Feng Shui. And so BTB actually stands for a Black Hat Tantric Sect Buddhism. Right now, I've seen a little bit of almost emergence of the Western and Eastern feng shui, and that's kind of where I started learning from. So when I started learning, I did take the compass directions, um, but I was still, like it's still incorporated with life areas. So for example, you can lay the pie-shaped compass bagua over your home, but um, some practitioners still go with the life areas and they'll say the Southwest is relationships the east is your ancestors and you know south is your fame and and so on and so forth so there's a little bit of emergence now um especially in the u.s of the two kind of together and really that's why i start this podcast to kind of um dispel some of the like i guess where you know each one comes from and kind of make a distinction between them um whichever one you practice to choose i think that your eyes will be opened and that uh, it will be definitely be a shift in your mindset. And if you want to go on to finish learning classical feng shui, which is a giant study, I welcome you in. So I made this episode because I do feel like within the feng shui community, um, <laughs> it's one of those things. So have you ever seen like a, a meme or like a little thing going through social media and it says, uh, what's a super niche industry you're involved in that is super petty? And, oh gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to get my butt kicked for this. Uh, it's feng shui for me. <laughs> I see a lot of um, pettiness, especially within the classical community on, on our part where um, certain students are super rigid, especially when it comes to their feng shui master and their feng shui style. And um, I think there could be room for flexibility on both ends there, guys. Um, so I think as long as it works for you and you're learning and um, it's something that connects with you, then keep practicing it. So I don't think uh, one is actually better than the other. But one of the reasons, again, that I started this podcast was just to talk a little bit more about the difference between the two and focus more on classical feng shui. So anyway, I hope you guys got a lot from this. And um, again, if you uh, want to learn more about classical feng shui and you would like to learn how to activate some of these energies in your home, remember for the month of April, I'm hosting a feng shui workshop that talks about activating the sun noble. So with the 
the Sun Noble does is that whenever you activate something weird in your home or you have some crap going on or something wrong going on or you need a little extra boost of help, you can activate what is called the Sun Noble for the year and it should give your home a boost. So we'll talk about that for the month of April 18th, of course, at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. I hope to see you there. Be sure to support the podcast by hitting that subscribe button and sharing with your family and friends who you think may be interested, as well as leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about feng shui and Chinese metaphysics, visit my website at fengshuibycandice.com. Thank you.